Lestance's accusation was answered by more shots, straight ahead. He could feel grass strike his face as the slugs rained down around him. He fired around himself, wildly, before rolling as fast as he could to his left into the deeper darkness of the park, between Magazine and the Audubon Zoo. When Lizette heard the lion's roar, she told Stan, King Kong will protect him now. For the first time since assuming the position as her personal bodyguard, Stan looked back at her. What? Lizette's voice was smooth and steady. When he was a little boy, his big brother told him King Kong lived at the zoo. She looked back at Stan and asked, He never told you that? Her father was next to speak. He told Mark that he thought Lizette was in shock. Mark moved up and tried to get her to sit down. She refused as she wrapped her arms around the railing of her front gallery, her eyes fixed on the park. None dare refuse. Lizette realized she was talking again. What? Stan asked. She turned and looked back at her father and said, Koto Duell, remember, father? She could see anguish in her father's eyes as her words registered. Lizette then looked at Stan and explained. The Creole French started dueling here over 200 years ago. Turning her eyes again to the park, she added, When a gentleman was challenged, none dare refuse. They quit bothering her after that. Not that her statement made much sense, even to her. It was just a thought that came to her as she waited for the duel to end. They quit trying to convince her because she wasn't going to listen anyway. Lizette continued her staring as Mark continued with his radio, Stan with his guarding, and Lizette's father with his worrying that his daughter was in shock. She did not seem to notice the host of other policemen who continued arriving, until Paul Snowwood arrived. She only noticed because he and Mark became involved in a shouting match on the gallery steps that only stopped when more gunfire echoed from the south. There were several cracks sounding more like firecrackers now, but they went unanswered by even a single boom. After an agonizing moment of quiet, more cracks sounded out, followed by an even longer silence. Everyone on the gallery was motionless as the seconds ticked by until a boom sounded, like a morning of a distant cannon. Paul started running away from the mansion, down the boulevard, straight into the park, his gun in hand. Mark yelled after him and cursed before getting back on his radio to give out Snowwood's description. They exchanged shots at the zoo fence, and Dino thought he had hit Lamoni, only to find himself ducking again from return fire. He had a clear shot at Lamoni when Harry reached the top of the fence, but in the darkness he must have missed. Now it was Dino's turn to scale the 12-foot chain-link fence with the barbed wire on top. Lamoni could be lying in wait or could be running madly through the zoo, getting away. Dino decided to try a running start moving as fast as he could, giving Lamoni a moving target to hit. But there was no fast way to scale a fence, even with your magnum holstered and both hands free. When he reached the top, he closed his eyes, just knowing it was coming. But the shots did not come until he was over the top, and then they came in rapid succession as he felt something strike the fence. He let go and fell to the ground. For unbearably long seconds, he could do nothing. He had no breath. His lungs burned and he could not breathe, and he knew it was coming now. He knew Lamoni was standing over him, taking aim. 
He closed his eyes and then felt a gasp of breath before he rolled again and stumbled away from the fence as more shots came off to his right. The muzzle fire was close, but Lamoni's shots were erratic. He's yanking his trigger, Dino told himself as he pulled out his magnum and squeezed off a round that immediately silenced the shots. 